In association with the Omniverse Comics Guide, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from all over the world. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 303. Molyneux, my friend. Oh, hello. Welcome Didn't back. See you there. It's been so long. It feels it like it has for us. Probably not for everyone else. No, no, not not this. This is episode three hundred three. Um, I haven't posted them as I've as we're recording this, but they're ready to go. I've got uh, Mike Grell and Ken Lashley back to back, and then Dave Molyneux. Wow. And then. After that, we're going to get Steve Mitchell. So we are Jeez. up and running and going full force this year. Yeah. I listened to the Demetrius episode. I made it sound like the song. <laughs> Demetrius, I'm not going to do it. Um, but yeah, whenever I say his name, I just think of the song. But, um, I, that was great. I just, I just, I love his, uh, I love his perspective on things. It's really, he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, that's that's the thing with uh, with somebody like him having him on. It's not even so much like no one's as good of a writer. It's more like he's just so interesting, and yeah. he he approaches it like I'm trying to do a good job. Like I'm trying to get this right, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. But he never. Some guys feel like, well, you guys don't get it because you're just not smart enough. <laughs> but he's he'll he'll admit like I tried, but maybe it didn't work, and that's okay. I love talking to him. I do. That's cool. Well, his Kickstarter's coming up as well. So yeah, he said he's um, going to be back on for that. He said it on the air, so we got to hold him to that to come back. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. How have you been? Like, what have you been up to since we last? This was two ninety eight was our last episode. It was a couple weeks ago, I think, before Fan Expo. So how have you? What have you been up to? Well, I'm technically another. I'm another year older since we last spoke. Seriously. Um, yeah. I did not know that. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I don't really do birthdays, really. But, um, yeah, yesterday. Oh. I, I'm now the wrong side of 40. So how old are you? Are you 45? 46. 46. Does yeah. any People always say, how do you feel? How does 46 feel? But did were there checkpoints in your life where after this age... I started to feel different after this age. This this sort of thing sets in. Yeah, I think when I turned thirty, I started to feel slightly broken, and by forty, I was feeling very broken. Hmm. And then <laughs> forty-six, though, it's like, oh my god, I'm four years away from fifty, dude. That's not right. That's not right. I'm Peter Pan. I can't be four years away from fifty. I know what you mean. It's I get it a lot at uh, where I work. I, people often think that I'm still um, an apprentice. Because they, th- they think I'm in my 20s sometimes. I don't think I look that young, but I get that sometimes. Maybe it's the glasses. Um, but yeah, no, my body says, no, no, no. And my moods. My moods are definitely of an older person. <laughs> <laughs> the things I like are from when I was a kid. But I'm now like, when I was a kid, look at why it was better. That's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> How old are you? Do you do it in that exact voice? Yeah, pretty much. When people say, how old are you? I'm like, well, when I was a kid, that's how old I am. That's that's, that's my age. Back in the good old days, in the 90s. (laughs) 
it was my daughter actually said so like daddy why do you still get toys when you're a grown-up hmm. <laughs> like because they make me happy and she went no <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> the kids are gonna tell the parents. Do you want to grow up and be parents now? That's so funny. <laughs> She's four, so like, yeah. It's uh, um, I when talking to Steve Mitchell again, he was just uh, reminiscing or kind of reminiscing, but saying like, I can't believe that my generation of comic book creators is fifty years ago. That's nuts. It's nuts. And I and I never thought of it like that, but it, it set in when I was like in the Jam DeMatteis episode. It would set in. I'm like, these are forty year old comics, and I'm reading them still as though there's something to talk about. But there is, which there is. which is it's cool to be at this point now where with every like what no matter if you don't like what they're coming out with anymore, they're they're re releasing everything we missed, which is a great part of the hobby. And here's the thing as well, like if they were not, if it were talking about novels, people wouldn't bat an eyelid. A classic is a classic, you know, doesn't matter how old it is. It that's seems. true. That's very but true. But when it's comics, for some reason, it's like, well, that's old comics though. Like it's not as old as War and Peace. True. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually. So, I mean, like Akira came out in the eighties, like, but no one bats an eyelid about Akira. Like when it's stuff like that, it's for some reason it's treated differently. So I don't know if it's a mainstream comics thing. I, th- I think it's the same with like indie comics that are quite old as well. People go, oh, it's kind of old indie comics. Yeah, I think I think a, a passage of time and the people, when the people whose names are attached mainly to those books, I think a, a time will come where people might confuse who was the most influential writer of a character. They'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, some people already think Stan Lee created everything. Yeah. And it's like... They do. No, Stan Lee had nothing to do with Deadpool or Wolverine or, you know, some of the things you like, that's not Stan Lee. He he didn't Uh do any of that. But maybe in, you know, when we're gone... If people are still talking about, because these are going to be like the Sherlock Holmes and the Robin Hoods of a next generation. Yeah. And maybe they'll think that it was like Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams that were the real Batman creators. Like people might say those are the people that are, should be credited. That might happen. Maybe. You know? Maybe. It's, it's funny. I think it's probably because the reason it feels older, I think, though, is probably because there's just so much of it. True. True. So you kind it of think like stop. what's happened. Right. Yeah. Maybe you, that's what it is. Yeah, you don't have, you know, the Dark Knight Returns year one, the killing joke on the shelf. You've got Court of Owls and Dark Halloween and Arkham. Like, everybody's got, that's the one to read, you, you know? Because uh, just it yeah. never stops being printed like newspaper. So Yeah. But we got uh, today's episode kind of segues into what we're talking about because we're going to... Uh, Look at what's being released in October, collection. Yes, yes, good idea. Collected editions in October. Well, the, this is purely based on the the Amazon release dates, so like the mainstream release dates. Some of these, um, it seems that some of these are already coming out as we speak. Um, okay. but there's no harm in that because it lets people know that they're there. So, yeah, I'm excited to to. I like these type of episodes. We should do this. We should do a collected editions type of thing. 
to just stay abreast of what's yeah. coming out, have recommendations, even if like, I like the point you made when we were talking about this episode of even if we own it already, if it's something that is worth buying, because there's some things on here like I would buy that if I didn't already own it and nothing else really <laughs> interests me. But you made a good point. Like, let's talk about those things that we can positively suggest to people because I think people appreciate that. I know I do. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to know what's, what's about. So we're going to do five each. So it'll be an, another, I guess, top 10. Yeah. Do you consider top 10 or top fives? I guess they're, they're separate top fives, but they make a consolidated top 10. It's true. It is true because we always have our alternatives if we have like a, a shared uh, yeah. choice. Okay. So who should go first this time? Should we do a sous some C, flip a coin? I think you should go first because mm-hmm. you, you rarely get to go first. Okay. So my first pick is going to be something I already own, but I can definitely vouch for it being a good entry point if you've never read any sort of comics and want a good, like, you'll be familiar, but it'll also be surprising. And I, for me, that would be um, The Ultimate's Omnibus. Yeah. The Ultimate's yeah. Omnibus, I think, is, is definitely worth a, every penny of admission every dollar for admission and it's 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 different enough from but similar enough to the movies it massively influenced the films totally. but it's still its own thing very much um i don't think there was i don't think they knew the films were going to come at that point as far as i know when the ultimates came out but it's got that cinematic feel because it's widescreen the art is widescreen you know, all the panels are right across the page. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's by Mark Miller, who's known for his bombastic writing, in-your-face explosiveness. It feels like a series of films. Yes, yes, it really does. You you read it and you say, why can't they make this the movie? And they pretty much did. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part. Other, yeah. there, there are good chunks in there that, that would be, oh, that's that bit, you know. Yeah, the whole the whole reason why Samuel Jackson is Nick Fury is because of this book. Well, it's funny he even casts himself as as Samuel Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> so they use his likeness, and then yeah. there's, there's a whole story, a whole uh, uh, bit in one of the stories, one of the issues, where they say like, "Who would play you if they made a film of us?" Um, and he goes, he basically says Samuel Jackson. It was <laughs> like, yeah. That's why I think the beginning of the MCU was very exciting because you saw the respect and the, um, like the Easter eggs were more like, good, that was good, good job, yeah. you, you got it right. You know, if, if anyone argues this point, there's nothing to argue, like here, take a look, they drew Samuel L. Jackson, literally, uh-huh. you know, or, it or is Samuel Jackson. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those, um. I think genre defining and changing moments when the Avengers became the ultimate and became the more pre- like the more primary book at Marvel reflecting the event because this was happening at the same time as Bendis, right? It was just before, so there basically that the Marvel launched the Ultimate line largely to get people who were into the Spider-Man and X-Men films buying comics. Right. So they started off with Ultimate Spider-Man, they carried on with Ultimate X-Men, and then they got to the Avengers, and they got Mark Miller in because he'd just done the authority, 
<clears throat> so he wrote The Authority and just before his run with Warren Ellis, Brian Hitch was the artist on The Authority. So they basically got those two creators in. And he went, I don't know why they're called The Avengers because what are they avenging? Nothing's happened yet. Okay. So he basically went, well, we'll call them The Ultimates and we'll modernise it and we'll make it feel a, a lot fresher and more in your face and explosive and it will be like a big budget action film. So it's... It's uh, it's not the mainstream continuity. It's the ultimate continuity, but it introduces the Avengers as well, the Ultimates as they are in this as a, a team. Yes, yes, and it's very different to the way it was done in the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's the mainstream Marvel universe. And Captain America is not quite likable in the beginning. It's a lot more aggressive. Very aggressive, but it's it's a very refreshing take. It, it keeps your interest. I remember reading the first volume. I had never read the second one until I bought the Omnibus. And um, the second time I read it, or it might have been the second or third time I read the book, but it had been years. And I'm like, man, do I like this? Does this hold up? Or is this too much of post 9-11 sort of world? Like it's so like deeply entrenched in that era. But when I got to the end, uh, and I saw the buildup and the execution of something that you kind of thought was there's a moment in that book where something happens to an, uh, to one of the ultimates and you're like, holy, I got it. I got to keep going with this. Like you, you it yeah. just the pace picks up and it all comes together really well. It's a great collection, I think. It's a great collection, and it feels like it has consequence. One of the bonus bits of the Ultimate Universe, Ultimate Universe, was it felt like it had consequence, whereas the mainstream Marvel Universe was a bit less so. People kept coming back, yeah. Um, and it feels like when when someone hits someone, you you feel them get hit. You feel that that person, that person they killed off, is not coming back. Um, the other thing I could mention, one last thing about that I loved about it, which was when when Mark Miller was was writing it. He said, so basically the Hulk's in, Bruce Banner's in this ambulance. It's not a major spoiler, but like, turns into the Hulk. So he breaks through and he kills the two EMTs. And they were going, whoa, 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 whoa. Hulk doesn't kill anybody. And he was going, what would you mean? Like, he's smashed tanks up. He's torn through houses. He's he's yeah. never killed anyone. They're like, no. Yeah. Like, well, this, this Hulk isn't so gentle. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the point, right? That's so... It's a, it's a great, like, real world, whatever they've tried to do, let's say, with DC movies. Yeah. This is, they really, they get, they execute it right here. And Mark Miller, for those who may or may not be familiar, um, all, pretty much everything he makes turns into a movie. So Old Man Logan, or the Logan movie, was heavily based on his comic book. He wrote Civil War, which yeah. I think everyone will, would agree is pretty beloved, whether it's the comic or the movie. Um, Wanted. That's a that's a film with what's his name? Um, James McAvoy. That's right, Professor Xavier. There, um, <laughs> Kingsman. Like the list goes on and on. Yeah, Jupiter's Legacy, Kick Ass, Kick Ass. There you go. Like the of, no, what was it called? The the Kingsman. Kingsman. A, there's a, the there's something else where I'm like, oh, he did that too, didn't he? But it, it's he's got a long list of things that yeah, people know. Very long list. So if you're if you're new to comics and you want to and you want to f dig your teeth into something, Mark Millar, Miller, whatever they call him, you can't go wrong. You've probably seen his movie. Probably have. Right. So give it a shot. Cool. Good choice. Thank you. Was it on your list? 
It was on my list. That, ah. The clicking you may have heard was me taking it off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, my first is actually something – I'm excited for this book, but I've not read it. And I don't normally recommend stuff I haven't read. Um, but you cannot go wrong with Mike Brignola. So um, a little while ago, I read the two volumes of uh, Baltimore Omnibus, which was about a guy from the – First World War, um, who was trying to find a vampire and going all across the world after the war to try and track this thing down. And he was fighting all sorts of different creatures on the way. And it was brilliant. It was just brilliant. I loved it. It was really atmospheric, noir, horror. Um, this is set in the same world. So he does this. Uh, it's not the Hellboy universe. It's called the Outerverse, basically. So it's a little bit different. And this is uh, Joe Golem. Uh, a cult detective omnibus and it collects the entire series it's 500 and something pages worth of, of joe golem so it's all four volumes in one book and it's more of a detective um who investigates occult stuff in manhattan um cool. yeah and it's it's mignola so like boom i'm sold i'll have that please thanks very much i'm so excited for it to turn up never read it weirdly on the cover though the, the character I assume to be Joe Golem <laughs> looks like Henry Cavill, which is really odd. Hmm. Just an aside. Do you uh, think that was ever intended? doesn't look like it, no, but from the small picture he does a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't, I, I got to dig into Mike Mignola and, and Hellboy. That's a big blind spot in my reading, admittedly. I have them digitally, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I just I have to have a reason to do it. Maybe I just need to reach out to Mike Mignola, Dave, and say, <laughs> "Do it," <laughs> and then I'll read all his stuff. No, it, it's the thing is, there's a lot there for Hellboy. There's a huge amount. Because you've got all the BPRD stuff. You've got the Hellboy stuff. You've got um, Lobster Johnson. You've got this Witchfinder. There's so much as part of that whole universe. Okay. And if you want to get all obsessive, you can just read Hellboy, or you can read all that stuff. The Outerverse stuff. There's a lot less. There's literally Baltimore. The two omnibuses of Baltimore, Omnibuys, um, Tells from the Outerverse, Lady Baltimore Volume 1, and this Joe Golem omnibus. That's it, at least so far. So, and it stands alone. These things stand alone. They, he's basically said, yeah, these take place in the same universe, but it's only him saying that that lets you go like, oh. Hmm. <laughs> but you can read this as a complete standalone. And, and with, with the, the Joe Golem omnibus, it's the entire thing in one book. Very cool. Got to check that out. But it makes I like these lists because it makes me say, "What well, you got to read that book on your shelf." That just give it a go already. That's cool. Joe Golem, Dark Horse. Yeah. Dark Horse. You're a big Dark Horse. I'm loving the Dark Horse stuff at the moment. Nice. Okay, let me think. Let me look at this list. I didn't make an official list. I just wanted to like let it settle in while we go through it and think to okay, there's a good one. So I haven't read this. I've seen it, I've had the opportunity to buy it, but the more I've read from this guy, the more I'm willing to give it a chance, and that's The Mighty from Pete Tomasi. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've never read it, don't even, I can't even give you an elevator pitch, but it's Pete Tomasi. Yeah. I, that's, on, that's, I'm getting that categorically. So it's basically, um, from what I understand, it's almost like that dark Superman type story. Um, 
but I don't know a huge amount, a huge amount about it. But I'm picking it up on the strength that it's the two volumes of the Mighty. So I think he actually did them under two different comic companies. I think one series was Dark Horse and one series was Image. But they released it in one. They're releasing it in one volume. Um, so it's twelve issues in one book, and it's Tomasi. I think it's a variety of artists as well. Uh, Chris Samley's one of the artists on it. Yes. Yeah, you can't. So Tomasi Steinberg. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. That's really. So it sounds nice. like I think it's a, a Superman type character. Alpha One is going to try and create a utopia with his Superman like powers. It's the basic gist from what I can make out of that really quick read of the synopsis. But I, do, I haven't even read the synopsis. I literally just I've had these two books on my list for ages, and then I saw that it's coming out in one volume. It just went like. That's, that's happening. Should I read the description? I pulled it up because I wanted to make okay. sure. So you said Alpha One, the world's only superhero, Alpha One, is an icon of hope to all mankind, but at what price? While the population is inspired from a distance by their savior, police captain Gabriel Cole has gotten close enough to discover the mystery behind Alpha One's public origin and that his twisted plans to create a utopia are more dangerous than anyone could dream. This mighty edition collects all 12 issues of the Acclaim series, three rare eight-page stories, and a treasure trove of behind-the-scenes sketches and script. I'm in. Sold, man. Honestly, this, I don't think I've read anything by Tomasi that I haven't liked. Especially you know, for, worst case for a scenario, long stretch of it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's definitely an overlooked, underrated talent. Like yeah. consistently good, if not better, than the guy that they're giving the praise to. And he's just there plugging away saying, I know my book is better, but it's it's all good. I think the thing is he lets the other it's like with Jeff I know we talked about this a fair bit, with with like with the Jeff Jones Green Lantern though, that was the big explosive blockbuster stuff. Well his was the company T V series, you know? It's got those little nuggets of drama and Batman that's and what Robin. it feels like. But I prefer Batman that. and Sun. Super Sons. Yeah, Super Sons. All, all fantastic. Yeah. Shout out Pete Tomasi. Let's tag him on this one. <laughs> Deal. All right. You, you, you let me know what's next. What okay, am I going to buy? So next up, <clears throat> I'm going to choose um, the Fables 20th Anniversary box set. So this isn't cheap, but... Basically, if I just find the page, you you get the entire run, original run of Fables in four compendium editions. It's a lot of comics. It's 4,304 pages. Brilliant stuff. And in one box set. It's it's such a good series. um, There's spin-off stuff like uh, Jack of Fables and the Cinderella books as well. And they did The Fairest and all sorts of other bits. The main series of Fables is so good. And someone someone basically made me read it. I went to the comic shop and went, have you been reading Fables? And I'm like, I don't even know what it is. Um, and he basically gave me his two copies, well, lent me his two copies to read, uh, the, you know, the first 12 issues were. And the first series, the first storyline is okay. So I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then Mark Buckingham jumps on as artist, um, who's known more for inking, Chris Pachalo on things like Generation X. Um, he has pencil quite a few bits. Like he was he was drawing one of the Batman books in the 90s during No Man's Land. Um, but it's very cheerful 
artwork. He's a, he's a uh, British artist. Um, so there's like a hint of Alan Davis in there somewhere. And, but yeah, this is, it's amazing stuff and it's epic. I mean, that's like 150 something issues, I think, or 150 issues total, plus some specials in there. Um, and it's, it's a hell of a saga. Yeah. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I think if you even want to, if you want to read why comic books can be so special, this isn't a superhero one. This is literally taking the characters from fairy tales and their multiverse collides with this one, with ours, and you've got a whole town living in Manhattan, underground, kind of operating clandestinely. If you will, kind of. I think that their, their street is like magically disguised as a normal street, and no one really bats. I like Doctor Strange's house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually a town full of it's Fable Town, but they, they the animals can't live there. They live on an animal farm, um, but they basically all their fairy tale characters and creatures have left the. Oh, what do they call it? It's not the fairy tale lands. It's the it's the um, the homelands, um, because this adversary has taken it over so the original storyline is there's lots of small story arcs but it's all about like who is the adversary and you find out and it's like okay we found out sure it's going to wrap up soon and it's like nope we've got a whole nother arc and then we've got a whole nother arc and we've got I haven't a whole nother found out who it is yet i've only read nine, you? I, 900 I pages spoil it here because like it's so good yeah that's great it's a fantastic series, and yeah, it's not a superhero book. It reference. Funny enough, there is a, a story arc that references superheroes as fairy tale fiction, almost because it is all about fictional characters being, I guess, given form. Um, so why wouldn't something superheroic be in there? But um, yeah, it's it's such a good series. It's it's so awesome, and it's coming back. So get in now. Get on it. This is a really nice way to pick it up, and it's probably, even though it looks like a high price tag, it's probably the cheapest way you can get it at this point. Yeah, maybe you're right. Unless you go, like, I, I, I actually saw one of the volumes at Fan Expo for $20. Really? Yeah. Or the hardcovers? Or no, the compendiums? A compendium. Because <sighs> yeah. I, I was that close to getting the deluxes. Do you prefer it in a deluxe, or do you do you like the? Um... I love a compendium. I, I keep hearing all these interviews with um, mostly comic shop owners, going, "I don't understand. I don't understand people reading compendiums and omnibuses. They're so awkward to read. It's like they're not. You sit in a chair, you put a cushion on your lap, and you put the book on it, and you read. Yeah, and it's just, great. Yeah, you and don't. You, you, you don't, don't have, have to, to go anywhere. You, <laughs> you don't have to take the the, the bag and board after and and do with your hand flat. And slide it in perfectly. Like, oh no, I got the sellotape on it. Oh, yeah, and like, uh, 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 and then you you got to put it in order in your long box, and then put the long. Oh. Long boxes are so ugly. I'm so glad. I, I mean, I loved single issues. I'm not knocking it. I know a lot of people still love it, and that's great. But um, that was ugly, man. I had 50, 60 boxes of holy of comics. Yeah, that's a lot. I feel like trying to move house was. Did nightmare. you have long or short, like? Long. Yep. long boxes, yeah. Yeah. I have about three or four long boxes, I think, and then a bunch of short ones, but full bookshelves. Still a lot. Uh, Still a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <sighs> I often think to myself, like, I got to do something about it, but then 
there's certain things I'll keep. Like I got my John Byrne Superman. That that's always what I'll take with me. But the other stuff, it's like, well, how do I get rid of this? Do I just <laughs> donate it? Some of it's gonna you you get scared too because the way things go now, these things are collectibles when they were dollar bin comics once upon a time. Yeah. Like Legends, John Ostrander Legends. We're going on a tangent, but I bought all six issues of that at a used bookstore. Good condition, very good uh-huh. condition for $6. Six issues, $6. Wow. And then wow. A, maybe a year later, maybe two, not long, not very long, the Suicide Squad issue was $100. Jeez. It was a dollar bin book. <laughs> For years, it for years, and announce a movie that one issue. I said, "What are they trying to? What? I bought that for like fifty cents." Who makes up those prices? Dealers, flippers, people that I don't know. I don't know. Suddenly, a book becomes hot, so it becomes like, "How do I get rid of this stuff?" (laughs) It never goes for what it says, though. No, I know that. That's true too. Good pick. Yeah. Good Thank pick. Thank you. Okay. Something that I have read, haven't read it in a while, but it is excellent. Like universally acclaimed. Black Hammer Omnibus. Nice. First 13 issues of Black Hammer. Again, you're not going to be bogged down with Marvel and DC continuity. It is very easy to get into. It feels like you're reading a really, really great Netflix or Amazon Prime show that deals with superheroes living in hiding in just a rural part of the United States. So it's not action-packed. It's very much more cerebral. It has Mm -hmm. these little mysteries, these little relationships being built with all of the um, sort of mythology hanging in the background of superhero myth that you're familiar with but without it there's characters you can tell like okay that's the this one and that's the batman or that's the alien you got those comparisons but done in a way that really pays homage yeah to the genre great book it's it's almost like the stories that that don't make it to the page so all the explosive keep using the word bombastic tonight but all that kind of stuff has happened or happens off the page for the most part. Yeah. It's almost like it's a, it's a superhero thing with no budget. Yeah. <laughs> no, no special effects budget, but not in a bad way. It's it's one of my favorite reads of the last few years. Um, yeah. Because it's like, I'm getting it in library edition version, and I think World of Black Hammer is, volume five is out next year. Um, and then I think Black Hammer itself library edition volume three will be out sometime next year so like there's a fair chunk of stuff there it, there is some world building but it's very very different to mainstream comics and and i find it way more rewarding yeah and it's something that you'll want to read like i was collecting them in trades and i was reading them as the trades came out and i loved it and then they started to do sort of crossover things and world of and i, I kind of got lost on where i was in the stream of time or if i needed to read that so it put me off from continuing. But then I found the library editions and you kind of encouraged and coerced me to get that one, to get those. I was up in the air with that right. revival. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. 
I needed somebody to help me on that one. It was tough. But I'm happy that I have the library editions that I found because it's it's going to be a joy to reread, especially in that format. Any which way you can read this, whatever is most affordable to you, give it a shot. Again, yeah. you won't be bogged down with, you know, what, what, what happened to Spider-Man? I thought he was married. None of that. Just, you'll read it fresh. And, and the can, Omnibus is great as well because it's a good chunk of comics. Yeah. It's a really good chunk of comics. Yeah, for an affordable price. Yeah. That's nice. I like I like when they do that. I like when they get a price range right with the right amount of issues that makes makes you feel justified. Because comics are, it's an expensive hobby. There's no way around it. No, the, the omnibus stuff is nice. And actually, like you say as well, like it, you don't necessarily need to go like, so if I'm buying this, am I going to have to get this World of Black Hammer stuff when they do the omnibus? You don't need to. You can just stick with the main series. Black Hammer. It's, it's yeah. nice the way they do that. Like with Hellboy, you can just stick with Hellboy. But if you want to get all the other stuff, you can. Yeah. Um, same with this. Black Hammer, you can just stick with Black Hammer and you'll have a great story. Yeah, it's a great, great payoff. Yeah, that's a good that's a good release. I'm happy that they're I want them to do more of that just across the board of if you're going to don't don't let those books kind of hang in this sort of like just have it out there. Have it available for people to 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 read it. When they when DC does like here they did a sleepers, they reprinted sleeper and they did a volume 1 that was half the series. So it's like cool. You get two nice trades and you got the whole series and then they never did the second volume oh it's like, yeah I've, I've never had that with dark horse they, they've they've tended to give everything that's like, well, nice that's, that's the way it should be i like even if it's not a big seller yeah you've got to finish it or else you're setting a bad precedent I and mean, the complete side note well not complete side note but they're releasing the second book of resident alien next year and it's been a wait the omnibus of that that's a great series. And I'll probably talk about it at some point when we do one of these. But um, they're doing it. And I know the numbers won't be huge, but like it's just such a good series. Mm. I'm so glad. I'm so excited for that. And it's not coming out till like April or something next year. Yeah. But that's, that's how much I love this stuff. It's like you get a really good series that really sucks you in and you're going, I'm just desperately waiting for April. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wishing my life away. Yeah. fiction. <laughs> It's true. I've I remember enjoying something and then saying, "I'm just gonna wait for the whole thing to be done." I can't wait because I want to have yeah. that that nice collection of it. Sometimes I've used trades as just like a, a sample. Like, do I like the first two? Do I like where it's going? Okay, I'll I'll wait for this and and see it. See how it pans out. If it if it finishes well, and people enjoyed it, I'm gonna go with the whole I, I believe it because I, te- I I gave it a sample you know yeah give me two scoops <laughs> uh, my my turn your turn your turn uh, oh it's me yeah right um, I feel like I'm choosing a lot of stuff that um, it's a bit of a gamble that I haven't really read um, but here we go this is I'm doing it again um, so they're re-releasing um, the New Teen Titans omnibus. They swore they weren't going to do another ah, nice. New Teen Titans. Was that on your list? No, I, I was debating of mentioning that, but I'm happy that you brought it up. It's, I, I'm so glad because they they swore blind. That was it. We've re-released it so many times. 
we're not doing it again. Um, and they're doing it this year, obviously, in um, reference to to George Perez, who died earlier this year. Um, but it's totally... I mean, they're, they're also releasing the first volume of his Wonder Woman again. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one I'm really looking forward to is is Newton Titans. Um, so it's the... DC Comics presents 26, which is the first appearance, and then the first 16 issues. I think there are some crossover bits in there as well, but I can't get a definitive list on screen right now. Um, but it's a good chunk of 688 pages, and it's the early stories from the early 80s. Yeah. When they when they shook the whole team up and they added Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, it was Changeling originally, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. To the to the lineup. Um and I, I've read a few issues here and there, but I felt like I was in the middle of something. So I want to give it a proper go, do it from the beginning. I know it's from a certain era, and I'm totally down with it. And I really, really hope, because all the other volumes have shot up as well, and it's really hard to get them. Um, I hope they carry on. So if people jump on it and say to DC, you know, that there's an audience here. We've we made a mistake the first couple of times, but just keep them coming. I, I do, I, I'd carry on and get the whole set. Yeah. I, I uh, my only hang up, I have them in trade up to volume seven, which is the Judas contract, which I feel is like a nice way to for, for my collection. I know they have up to 10, 11, something like that, but right. that I feel is the it, everything builds up to that story. And it's a great way to kind of, if it was a television show, that would be a really cool ending to the series. Right. So that's how I have it collected, and I've I've debated on getting it in omnibus, but I don't like the price point for the amount of pages that they put in it, especially when they reprint it all the time. Yeah, I feel like they should. You should have the first two volumes should end with Judas Contract. It's it seems like a small page count. Yeah, six eighty eight. I know is a, a lot of comics, but if yeah. when when you I mean DC's omnibus. Collection. Some of them are like one and a half thousand page, uh, yeah. one thousand five hundred pages. Yeah. So yeah, they probably could do a lot more. They could. They um, could. They could give you a better price for it because it is yeah. a it is a thing that they reprinted, and they had it when they didn't have a big omnibus library. The Teen Titans were one of their omnibus mm-hmm. from before. Yeah, that's true. Like it's, that's it's one of the first ones they did. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's got a whole. So the reason why I think it's great that you recommended it, and it is important to to give it the caveat that it is from a certain era. Comics were written different then, but this was DC's X-Men. Essentially. Yeah. Almost yeah. almost as... From writer to writer, to artist to artist, that was like, this is our answer. Yeah. Be- beat that. And, and it's and, hard and to top it. That was underlined with the release of the New Teen Titans X-Men crossover issue exactly so they were their two most popular books but also slightly underground remember there was like that was a period of time when there was still a footnote to explain who the x-men were yeah in stories so you're like yeah. who are the x-men sorry which sounds so weird now it does because i remember reading those x-men stories years after they were released i was maybe late 20s early 30s when i was reading a lot of the classic x-men run from claremont and Byrne, mm-hmm. and i had to to me, like, okay, they made movies out of this. Oh, that's the, this. That's where it comes from in the movie. Like, it was. It just seemed like this has been established for so long. But you gotta kind of transport time travel a little bit, your mind, and think to yourself: at this time, the X Men sucked. 
yeah, sixties and seventies, they were cancelled. They yeah, they were they were not anything to make a cartoon out of. There was no that didn't happen yet. They were this. They, it was what be, the cartoon represents was a chance they took once upon a time to introduce these new characters that had no weight, like Colossus and even Wolverine. None of them were. They were nobodies. Yeah, they're all new. It was just to get that international feel. And in a lot of ways, I think, like, New Teen Titans kind of did it did the same, essentially, because it was all the sidekicks before. Exactly. Whereas with the New Teen Titans, it was, you know, when it was just Teen Titans. With the New Teen Titans, they introduced a bunch of new characters that weren't sidekicks, but they were teenagers. It's The, the New Teen Titans, I feel, is the one, not the one, sorry, but along with Batman, uh, Batman and the Outsiders, there was a couple things that DC were doing pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was a, for people hearing this for the first time, Crisis on Infinite Earths represents a publishing moment in DC Comics where it was refreshed completely, almost like the universe is starting brand new. This happened in 1986, but prior to that, DC Comics was like, meh, okay. But there was a couple things, like Teen Titans was one of them that was really mm. good as far as comics during that era. People might read it now and say, this is hokey, this is this, but it was it was edgy for its time. It is important to remember that. <clears throat> it's a really good point to, to make, that it, is, it was edgy for its time. But it's always good to bear that in mind when you read it, because even if sometimes it can be kind of funny, are you going, really? It's, not, it's so endearing. I find that stuff really endearing. Because mm-hmm. you have to bear it in mind that it is part of a, a, a different time. Yeah. But I just want to see how they grew those characters, though, because, you know, they've, they've been used in other media. They've got the, the Titan series on Netflix or wherever it is around the rest of the world. They've got Teen Titans Go using a very different version of these characters. So, like, I want to see how it all started. And yeah. this is where it started. Yeah. I mean, there, it was, again, a team like the X-Men, right, that had existed before. These young heroes, these sidekicks of, mm. you know, the Flash and Batman and who, and Wonder Woman and all of these things. But this team, they revamped it. They, they threw in new characters. They added relationship elements because they were a little bit newer. And Trigon, just as a villain, is quite terrifying. Yeah. I don't know if you've read those, like, but it also I, is. I haven't read the Trigon issues yet. Like, Raven is a, is a creepy character for me. Reading them in uh-huh. the comics, like, is she a villain? Is she a hero? She's she's the daughter of the devil. You know. Uh-huh. Um, and then you you've got the introduction very early on of Deathstroke. Like, this is where yeah. she comes from. These issues, so it is it is a seminal run, as they say. Good pick. Yeah. I hope you Thank like you. it. Yeah, me too. I'm, it'll be fun no matter what. Yeah, good. That's a good attitude. Okay, let me think. I've picked a Marvel. I picked. I don't know who's printing Black Hammer. It'll probably be Dark Horse, right? That's Dark Horse, yeah. And the Mighty. Let me think. Should I pick a DC? I was gonna pick New Teen Titans, but you got you took care of that one. Hmm. What else is here? What else like? is here? Because you don't want to get to the end and go. I wish I'd chosen some different stuff. Yeah. I mean, this one feels like a no-brainer. Maybe I'll use that in the next in the next round. But one thing that I think people, I think that should be um, recommended is Young Avengers by Heinberg and Chung. 
I nice. haven't read all of it, but I did read The Children's Crusade, and I really enjoyed that. Jim Chung's art is just per- beautiful to look at, but it is yeah. a good example, I think, of, and, I, and I've been saying this lately, I don't know, it's not really necessary, but it's just to kind of make the point, you know, there were a lot of diverse and representative stories in comics. You can find them, and this is one where some very interesting characters are created, it feels much more organic, um, and it's a good creative team, a good story. I'm happy that it's coming out in an omnibus. I'm not sure if I'm going to get it, but I just might because what I have read from it is quite good. I had the first 12 issues in hardcover format, and when they announced this quite a long time ago, because this has been delayed a few times, um, I sold it straight off. Like, I want to get everything. I want to get everything because I really, really loved it. Um, and it's been a hell of a wait. And I thought they cancelled it. So I'm definitely going to pick it up. But um, <clears throat> there's a lot in there. So it's it's the original main series because I remember Marvel getting a lot of flack with people saying, but Marvel don't have sidekicks. And the first story arc is called Sidekicks. Hmm. So they do look like young versions of. But it's more the, the fanboy, fangirl thing, isn't it? <coughs> Basically paying homage to the characters from that universe mm-hmm. um, that they live in. So, And it's, it's the first appearance as well of um, Kate Bishop. Interesting, yes. So, before, sorry, to, I don't mean to cut you off, but there was the Young Avengers, which was issues 1 to 12, and then the Avengers, the Children Crusade 1 to 9 was its own series. Yeah. And then it has all these crossovers and where it ties into whatever uh, miniseries or events were happening. Yeah, so it's got the Civil War, um, Secret Invasion, Dark Reign, Siege tie-ins. Right. Um, But it's also got the Young Avengers Presents miniseries, which was by a bunch of different creators, including Matt Fraction, on the Hawkeye issue where Kate Bishop first meets i think or teams up with clint barton and that's written by matt fraction so it's it's pre the hawkeye series where they um team up together for a lengthy period right so that's quite a nice addition as well don't mind me i'm just moving a pillow (laughs) (laughs) i know you were like what the hell is he doing what are you doing yeah no i'm just might have to throw something at the dog, so I just need a pillow by my side. <laughs> People think I'm so mean. These last couple of episodes, I've just been kind of mean to her, but I love her to pieces. Hi, Kobe. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that this, this is coming out. And it's, and it's the mostly Alan Heimberg and Jim Chung on like writing art duties, right? The whole way through, so that's nice. For the most part, yeah. Um... So Alan Heimberg was the writer, I think creator as well, of The O.C. Yeah. Um, and I think this was the first comic he wrote, first series he wrote. Yeah. If I'm mistaken. I think um, you're right. But that Jim Chung, and like you get Kang in there and you get stuff that's important to the, the Kree scroll Yeah. situation and this all and, and Scarlet Witch connection is in the, it, it's, this is the gift that keeps on giving, dude. You know what? I'm gonna bitch for a second. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to to be that person. The only thing that 
maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it, maybe it's nothing to bitch about. It really isn't. But nowadays, you it when they release something, it gives away like, oh, that's where you're going with the movies now. Whereas I wish they would just release it because the comics are that good. Does that make sense? How do you mean? Like you can see that you're releasing a Young Avengers omnibus, and most more than likely there's going oh. to be something associated in it. Like you're telling us that this is going to be a big part of the MCU. In theory, yeah. Though right. they did that with um, a Mephisto book because they were hinting that Mephisto right. was going to be in one division, and then Mephisto wasn't in one division. Right. So they they're kind of wise to it to a point where they can play with people a bit. Fair um, enough. So maybe they'll do it. Maybe it's maybe it's because of the speculation and they're jumping on. The possibility yeah. of Young Avengers, we don't know. Uh, yeah, my recommendation is strictly off of Children's Crusade, and if any of it is is as good as that, definitely pick it up. The Lots first twelve issues are way better. So really, yeah, yeah, it's a great series. That's a really good choice, man. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't when I first read the list. I'm like, eh, don't want it, own it, don't want it. And I'm like, wait a second. There's some stuff here that you can recommend. Don't be such an ass. <laughs> See, there's the uh, age. Old men talking about what comic books to buy. <laughs> hey, that's the old. What's that? Less of the old. Yeah. I'm sensitive about that now. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it is. Um... <clears throat> okay, keeping with the theme. Yep. I'm going to choose a book that I haven't read. Because <laughs> that seems to be what I'm doing today. Hmm. Um, I'm really, really ridiculously excited for another Dark Horse book. Mr. Dark Horse over here. Um, it's a one-off, a one-shot book called uh, Carly. It's a... Uh, the cover's just really cool. It just looks like it's, it's very Western-inspired. Um, so it's, a, as far as I know, a one-off book. Um, it's a 176-page hardcover. And apparently been it, it, it's meets the needs of fans of Mad Max Fury Road. I wasn't into that. but um, It's about uh, a woman who takes on a biker gang, basically. And it's a little revenge trip. And the cover just got me straight away. It just looks cool. She just looks like someone who's don't mess with and she's got her guns and her handcuffs and she's got a knife in her back. And I don't want to know anything more about it. But, like, I just desperately want this book. I'm not really selling it. <laughs> it's by um, Daniel Friedman, who did, I don't know, he did Bird King, which isn't out yet, which I also want to try. Um, in fact, I haven't really read any of his past stuff. But, you know, sometimes you just see something and you just go, I, I've got to have it. Yeah. They've made it look like a Spaghetti Western film cover as well. So the way the title appears with the credits underneath yeah. on the cover, it just looks really cool. So largely based on a cover, I just want to try out this book. Nice. I like that. Might seem like an odd way to recommend stuff. No, but it's but that's part of the... I think that's the difference too when you're a book collector. Like we're we're readers, but we're also into the collecting of the tangible thing. You appreciate the design, especially yeah. with comic books. The art is selling the product. 
Yeah. So if you give me a nice looking book, I've bought things off of the strength of like that. It looks like it's good. <laughs> yeah. So I, and it and it's it's a nice looking book. Like I'd like to read a book that looks like that. It's a very superficial, silly sounding thing, but it's part of the, like, that's why I liked Last God. I bought Last God strictly off of the design. That is a sweet looking book. Yeah, just everything about it, it's 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 part of your experience. Yeah. It's cool. I like that. It's quite nice as well, though, just to, I mean, I, I think for the most part, at least once a month or every couple of months, I, w- I will make sure I pick up something I know very little about and just kind of go, whoo, you know, what's that? I want to know what that is. Yeah. Um, that probably happens more than once a month. <laughs> but yeah, it's just nice to experiment. I think it's really tricky as well here where it feels, I mean, if you look at the list of stuff that is coming out, um, Marvel are dominating the market with omnibus collections. I mean, there's like eight or something just coming out in October. It's too much. Yeah. It's just too much. But I do um, like, I do like that they are keeping things in print. That, that's good that's good but it's a lot and there'll be people that haven't jumped on the omnibus train till now and I mean that's you know even those who have it's a lot to try and keep up with I mean an aside with Ultimate X-Men is coming out as well yes um, I was going to get it I'm not going to get it because it's, it's just I can't I've been always on the fence of getting the ultimate spider-man omnibus because i love that series but i have it all collect like i've i I remember finding each trade and keeping up with it because i i read it when a lot of books had already been released so i have it in a box that's organized specifically for the ultimate spider-man series and i want to get it in in omnibus was just like i can't keep doing this (laughs) i gotta i gotta pick pick my moments like and there's plenty of times where it's like well that's just taking the spot of what's already there sometimes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just nicer. It really is. It is nicer. And yeah. the thing, I've got the the hardcovers of Ultimate Spider-Man. It's like a, it's the run. It's like 13 volumes, 12 volumes. Nice. Very nice. And they're really nice. And there's still this part of me going, yeah, but do I want to replace with them? Like, why? So it's, <laughs> I don't know. I think there seems to be, there was a point where I think we were getting like two, three a month. Um. Now it's around eight a month, and I think that's just too much. Yeah, I forgot. It's fine for those that get them for free. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I forgot um, to pre-order a Janice Vell Captain Marvel from Peter David. Now it's like up to almost two hundred dollars. What? Yeah, they've they increased the the price. Marvel put their prices up. For their, what, the omnibus? Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's, it's not even available to pre-order here yet. Yeah, no, it, it was here, but um, I don't know if it ever dropped the price and I didn't go for it, but that's definitely one I want to get. I've only heard yeah. good things about it, and it's always been something that is hard to find. You'd have to you know, buy the issues digitally, the single issues, or if you're lucky, there was a, a trade here or there, so... I'm going in completely blind on that one, but I'm excited because I like yeah. I like the character in um, uh, Avengers Forever, and and I think out of that he that's where the series goes, right? Yeah, basically goes there. So yeah, I, I wanted to keep reading his character specifically. Um, 
Are we at my fifth? Are we at the end? Um, we're at, wow, we're at your fifth. Okay. I'm going to go with another Marvel one. I am. Only because it's another one of those timepiece ones, but it's a no-brainer, and that's the Fantastic Four by John Byrne. It's a, a legendary creator's, I think it's his probably his best body of work overall. He wrote and drew it. It had consequences and effects in the characters' lives. It's two volumes, I think, in total. I'm, I've pre-ordered that second volume because I haven't been able to get it for years. But it's one of those things that it's... Um, it will it, If you have it on your shelf as a comic book fan, nobody will ever go, why do you have that? <laughs> I might. I actually have had that happen. Why have you got a Fantastic Four? I thought you hated the Fantastic Four. Like, A, I don't. Um, B, like, it's that's such a good era, man. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's probably the best that BFF had been since Lee and Kirby left. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for some, that is their... Um, they feel for it the way people felt about the Lee and Kirby stuff. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I would probably appreciate John Byrne's run more, but his run is a, it's really honoring what they did in many ways. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, because it's two books. Yes. This is one of two, isn't it? And, and, Volume one basically is is like the love letter to the Lee Kirby era. Yes, for the most part, you know. I think it, there's like it starts to pivot towards the end of the book, but it very much pivots by volume two. Um, when it's not a spoiler at this point because this is the 1980s. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to say it. Um, spoiler from the 1980s. So the thing. Uh, is in the lineup when they go to the Secret Wars, but he doesn't come home, so he's replaced by She-Hulk. Right. Um, which could be part of the reason why they're re-releasing it at this point. That they, you know, it's another She-Hulk related book. Um, but it's, I mean, the thing is, as good as that volume one, it's it's a great volume. This volume one, volume two, is like a whole step change. It's amazing, um, and I think it still stands really well. So. It's just such a such a key run, and he he added so many additional ideas and expanded on the mythos. Added in Christoph Bernard, but I mean that's not until volume two, so I don't want to kind of like talk too much about the second volume. <laughs> but the first volume is just they're just really. You can see he's kind of finding his feet a bit as a writer, but he adapts really quickly. Yeah, brings some really big ideas to it. So. Yeah, it was. It, it brought the FF back to the the scientific explorer role. Yeah, it's one of those things too where the way he drew the Fantastic Four, it looks the way the Fantastic Four should look. Yeah, it sometimes that just happens. It's like Walt Simonson draws Thor. Like, that's how the characters should look. Frank Miller draws Daredevil. It just, it, it becomes, I know Kirby draws Fantastic Four. People are like, what are you talking about, Kirby? <laughs> yes. Yes, you're right. Yes. But in my head, anytime I saw 
Fantastic Four growing up, I didn't realize it was the same guy who was drawing the Superman comics that I was reading or had, you know, drawn those that did that. I didn't, I just, his, his way of drawing faces in my head as a child is like, that's what comic books look like. Yeah. In many ways. That that was my, the FF, Burns FF was my childhood Fantastic Four because I started on Marvel UK's reprints of Secret Wars. Yeah. And that was all chopped up into 32 issues instead of 12 because we had backup stories where we produced comics weekly over here. Um, and then issue 33, I think, was the Secret Wars. It became Secret Wars 2. So that was all interspersed with not just Fantastic Four's Secret Wars 2 issues, but loads of other stories from that run because it was just so damn good. Right. So, you know, I grew up on that stuff. I reread that stuff. I didn't have the full run till later. I think they, they released a chunk of it as the Trial of Galactus, I think it was, um, in in the eighties, which had a new cover by Byrne, and they kind of chopped it up a bit. And you know, it wasn't just issue by issue. I think he drew some extra pages or something, if I'm not mistaken. But um, getting the chance, I got the the full run in singles. Wow, very nice. But having it in this format. It's just, it's so much nice. I like the cleanliness of the of the pages. I know that you get people that say like, yeah, but it's not the original kind of paper that it was printed on. It's not how it was intended. Like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, it, it's so nicely produced. You, you know what it's I... It's such a great run. What I tell myself in those moments, because I understand that sort of logic, yeah. but I think it was intended the way the omnibus presents it. That's what the artists would have wanted you to have. If they would have had a choice of like paper quality, it would have, it would have been intended on that paper. I think the the bold colors of a superhero comic work better on this paper. Yes, you know, and it may well be that they made them bold because they were they were fighting that horrible paper quality. Yes, that's true. But that is how they look yeah. now. They're all like primary colors and. And then you really get that of these kind of pages. So, like, yeah, it's it's a modern printing of eighties classic stuff, but oh, it's just so beautiful. It is. It's worth again worth the price of admission. Hey, Dave, have I ever told you that I like eighties comics? No, <laughs> never said that before on this show. You've never mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did my dot? I'm just sorry. I'm just doing security check on Kobe. Wondering where she is. She's good. Uh, you're number five. Um, I've had to remove a couple, so I'm kind of... <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. Um, so I didn't want to put too many in there that I haven't read before, but I'm going to because that's where we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, there's other stuff coming out that I could put on the list that I have read before, but... I'm looking forward to Madman Library Edition Volume 3 more than any of those books. Hmm. Um, so it's a weird recommendation to recommend a Volume 3. Is, well, it's, you know, it's not necessarily something I want to do, but it's, it shows that, that um, Dark Horse, again, Dark Horse are committed to this thing. They're basically going to do a five-book run of Madman in library format They'll probably do that in little omnibus format as well. But like each book is about 600, six, six 700 pages. Um, they're hefty books. And volume three is when 
from my understanding, is when Michael really gets in his stride with the character and with the writing. And Madman is something I've desperately wanted to read ever since I saw it mentioned in Chasing Amy. Going, what's Madman? That bit, you know, at the start when they go around the the convention, um, and then he says, "Yeah, I love Chowion Fat, but I don't see him playing. I just don't see him playing Madman." It's like, what is? Who's this person? What's this about? But I've never actually read any. Not and even the other volumes all, yet. You haven't read the other volumes as as of yet. I'm not going to touch them until I've got all five. I know what you. I, I get that. I know it sounds crazy, people. <laughs> but i i haven't I haven't finished uh, my John Byrne Fantastic Four Volume One until I knew I had Volume Two. Uh-huh. I I read up to like 500 pages, like halfway, a little more than halfway through, and I've read other things that come later. That are in the yeah. series, but I said I, I don't want to finish that if unless I know I'm getting volume two. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is there are some things sometimes like I'll read book one and go like, No, yeah, I think I like this. I like this. Yeah, that too. And then I won't touch I won't touch two to six or however many books they have. Yes. Until I have the set. And then yeah. I can really just read through it in one go. I did that with Paper Girls and yeah. a number of other books. Black Hammer. I've read one and two, but I don't know when three's coming out, and I'll probably have to reread them when three comes out because my memory's so crap. <laughs> Wait, who's this thing? Who's this person? I know. It, I th- when you read a, a, a long series, ongoing series in chunks, you're like, okay, I want a break now from this little universe because it's been a, I've spent a lot of time here. You just want to go back somewhere different. But then you forget. It's like, now I'm picking, I'm going to pick up, you know, The Incredible Hulk Volume 3 Omnibus. I don't even know what happened in the first two. I've already forgotten. <laughs> so stupid. First world problems. <laughs> it's true, though. Things I did that with Preacher, and it was when it was in smaller trades. There were nine trade paperbacks. And yep. each time the new book came out, I reread all the other volumes. Wow. That's why you I knew Preacher so well, and I loved it so much. Right, right. I, I've, I'm in the same boat with Preacher. At some point, I got to pick up Sandman Volume 2 and Preacher Volume 2, and I don't even know the main character other than Jesse Custer. Everybody else, I remember, I think it was you. You were telling me something about, no, it was at the, at the Comic-Con, at Fan Expo, Shane, Shane Heron, my pal, was saying something about the show, and he was referring to the Jesse's girlfriend in the book. Yeah. Completely forgot that whole story point. I'm like, I got to read the <laughs> volume. And I don't even know who the people are. <laughs> when you do it in one sitting or near as down at one sitting, it does sink in more, I think, as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it does. So, yeah, that's my number. That's my number five. And and it's a good it's a good pick, even though it's a volume three, because at least with Dark Horse, somebody who wants to get in knows they're committed to giving you all of it. Exactly, yeah. Because like we were saying earlier, it, it does sometimes feel like people, um, like DC predominantly, sorry DC, but they'll, they'll release volume one. They might release a volume two. And you know there's only one book to go and you'll never see the damn thing. Dark yeah. Horse commit. I've, I've never had Dark Horse not deliver something. I could be wrong. They might have done it on something I wasn't buying, but they've never done it on anything I was. Yeah, and it's. I think it's one thing to say you're going to release a book and then, you know, it never is released or canceled. But when they start putting them out, they finish it. Yeah. So it's. I, I appreciate that, and that. I mean, that's the least you can do to people who, um, are buying these high priced items, right? You know, yeah, that there's exactly. a fan base for it. I think it's better sometimes when something is out there, 
and it's somewhat available, even though it might be a loss, the existence of it, it could catch on at a different point where suddenly that thing is, everybody wants it, but it'll only happen. You'll only create a market for it in some ways if, if it's out there in some capacity. Yeah. It's funny as well. I have actually spoken to a lot of people on Instagram um, on both accounts where they've actually said, I don't, especially with Starman, I really want to get, I really want to read Starman books, but I don't want to buy volume one of the compendium if I don't know volume two's out. I'm like, that's a gamble, man, because that mm. might be gone by the time volume yeah, two Yeah, that's out. the other problem, right? But they've done it so much now, people are really wary. Yeah, it's true. Is there anything, sorry, dude. No, go ahead. I was going to say, is there anything that you didn't mention that you did want to at least give a shout out to? I think a shout out is deserved for um, Wonder Woman by George Perez. Um, it was it was quite a visionary era for the character, trying to really revitalize her and build on her mythology. It might not be, um, what's the word? It might not be easy to read in today's era in the sense of like its wordiness and the amount of panels. Like it, it looks like a comic of its time, but it's George Perez. Like, yeah. There's a his legend. He's it's worth it's he's worthy of the legendary status. Yeah, he is. And Wonder Woman, I think, is something he became very synonymous with. It's one of those very highly regarded eras where love was put into the character, right? Yeah. Yeah. How about for you? Um, I'm gonna list a very quick five. Okay. 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 <laughs> um. So Saga number ten, Saga Volume Ten is coming out, which picks up the series. Um, for the first time in a while after the break because mm-hmm. um, they had volumes 1 to 9 then they had a gap so volume 10 is coming out um, I've only got as far as 3 because I don't want to read it until it ends so um, but I hear good things throughout so BPRD um, Omnibus is also coming out so that's the spin-off stuff from Hellboy um, that starts the Plague of Frog storyline basically which I think is a good few volumes but the fact that they're giving this another, this is like the second time they've released this in paperback format, so it's good to jump on it. Oblivion Song by Robert Kirkman, hardcover, volume three, is the end of that series now, so that three-book series ends this ends in October. Um, I haven't read it because I'm saving it, and Kirkman rarely ever lets me down, so he's someone I'll take a risk on, get his whole run, and then read it later on. Dark Horse are releasing Powers, Brian Michael Bendis' Powers, um, which is a fantastic series. DC only released it a couple of years ago, I think, in, in paperback format, but Dark Horse is doing it again because he's, he's taken all his creator-owned stuff over there. Um, if you've never read Powers, it is brilliant. It's a crime noir drama set in a superhero universe. Um, so it's told from the, the cop's perspective. Cool. Um, lastly... Avengers versus X-Men Omnibus, I think I have a soft spot for, I can't remember, <laughs> but I'm going to give it another try. Wow, nice. That's nice. Good list. One thing I would recommend that I, I as I'm scrolling through, I think it's worth mentioning, along with the Brian Michael Bendis, that you're the powers, the writer of powers, Miles Morales, Omnibus Volume 1. If you like the Miles Morales character, this is the stuff to read. The second volume, when he comes into the... This is now going to get into geek territory. The second volume of Miles Morales' Spider-Man, where he's in the 616 universe, 
It's okay. It's it's good. We're only just getting into geek territory with that. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But we try. Hey, listen, we try to make it as new reader friendly as possible. Yeah, we try. But apart from the volume three, sorry about that. <laughs> but but the um, I mean, he's such a beloved character now, and he wouldn't be if it wasn't for I think this particular time. I don't. I, yeah. I don't know. Would you agree with that? I think this is the stuff yeah, to I'd read more than than the the stuff that came later after was Secret Wars. It was okay. Yeah, I haven't touched it, but I mean, I, I did find that I started to warm to the character towards the end of that original run, which would be in this book. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for them releasing so many books, I'd probably pick up. And this is the second time I've had to say that because the last time they released it was it was a month of too many omnis. Uh, one little thing I will say actually about upcoming omnibuses, so they have re- announced the, the release of Uncanny X-Men Volume 5, finally, nice. next year. What's frustrating about it is it's that fine. they've missed out X-Factor 1 to 8, I think it is, 1 to 7, um, which they could have included because all the other books after it, like Mutant Massacre Omnibus, Fall of the Mutants Omnibus, the Inferno Omnibi, um, they've all got it's pretty much a complete run of X Factor there, apart from the early issues and the the two part Phoenix Jean Grey comeback story. That's eight comics they could have just included. Because they're going to put it in the next Factor omnibus. Nine, they could have, yeah, like okay. just stick them in. Um, and they've not. It just seems like a missed opportunity. So what you'd probably have to buy an epic collection that you own more than half of in order to get those <laughs> those few stories. They should just include them in. Uncanny X-Men Volume 5. Is it available for pre-order? Um, not here, but it might be for you. It is not. Not not the not of that era. There's something else that came up, it's not of that era. Okay. Uh, Gotta keep my eye out for it. Because it'll it'll put a nice button or the fill in piece to the run that I've accumulated, which again, I've accumulated all of it to read it when it's all complete. Yeah, same, same. And I've read um, lots of it. I've, I I haven't read actually, maybe from the beginning of Claremont to the end of Burn. I've read, but everything after that, up until when Ramita comes on, I haven't read. So like the Brood stuff, never read any of that stuff. I've read I've read all of it, apart from a chunk of the Brood stuff with Cockrum, the original Brood story. The Brood Saga. And the Proteus Saga I've never read. Ah, okay. Interesting. Otherwise, I've read the lot. I'm but gonna, never in order. I'm, I've I'm, never read it in order. Strangely, I'll have the, the complete story up until Inferno. And I'll have portions of the everything that comes in between that in different trades. Because I I just can't bring myself to buying those... Um, the Jim Lee omnibus form. I don't know why. I just feel like, again, it's one of those things that is very overpriced for something that could have been put in a nicer package. Like they just, they've stretched out how many omnibus they can make of that, which just, ah, I don't, I don't, and not all of it. Pardon? Sorry, go on, go on. You were going to say, no, all of it. And I've read, I've read a lot of the the content within it and I have it in epic collection formats. So I'm kind of like, I'll live with it. I know it's going to drive people crazy when you say that. Like, why are you crazy? <laughs> what is 
wrong with you? Yeah, but they're they're like seven hundred page omnibus for top dollar at Marvel. For like no, no. I'm not to be doing fair, it. yeah. Volume one is not that good. It isn't. That's the other thing. I kind of like it. It's okay because I like how they split everybody up in yes. a really messy way more kind of split than Empire Strikes Back kind of reference you can't even do that they've Empire Strikes Back to that's true it's just it's like what is going on they're kind of are you killing people off what are you doing and I, I like that though because it was just like it, was it is very interesting yeah but it's not for everyone and I know in my heart that it's not that good no it's not the best of that tenure of Claremont's run it's a transitionary period but it is something where it's like, wow, they're, they've really expanded the cast. It's that part of the show, if it was a television show, where if you've been married to it this far, just keep watching. you got to go through this stage, and you're going to see some cool, interesting stuff that comes out of it, but not all of it sticks. No, there's some really dodgy art bits as well. And yeah. then Jim Lee's kind of sporadically on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you don't get as much Jim Lee as the cover will tell you. Exactly. That's the other thing, too. I feel like it's just... It, 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 the completionist in me wants to have them, but I just like... I don't know. And it's Jim Lee X-Men. What? It's good. It's good. But I'm good with the run I got. And then I jumped to Fatal Attractions. Weirdo. <laughs> I got rid of my... I can't deal with that storyline. No, I liked it. It was the book that reading that book made me fall in love with reading Omnibus. Not because it's the greatest story, but I enjoyed reading. There's a lot of portions in it that I don't think I would have read had it not been included. So it made Uh me appreciate kind of like when you all put it all together, it's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like it. This was fun. Can we do it in October or November? Yeah, we'll do another one. Okay, cool. Very Especially fun. if people find it, it'd be good to know if people are finding it useful. I think so. I think people like the people collectors like this sort of stuff. I know I do. Maybe I'm. It's very niche, but I like it. That's cool. Well, people can always leave comments and hint on whatever. That's right. Feedback. Share their thoughts. Tell us what they're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially like, I enjoy watching people's Instagram accounts as they slowly build their collection, and. That you can see like their palette developing for understanding comic book culture. Yeah, it's fun to see that sort of thing happen. It's like okay, this person's all in. They're they're reading yeah. that. They're all in now. <laughs> but I enjoy it. So I hope that if anyone like that is listening to this, like reach out to us, talk to us. We we respond. Talk to us on Instagram. Dave responds. I'll always chime <laughs> in. I'll make a special appearance. Like hey, it's me. <laughs> but Dave, you're you're so friendly. Sorry, that makes you sound like a dodgy character. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you're too friendly. You're so, too friendly. To, no, he's... <laughs> Do you remember that restraining order, Dave? Do you remember that? <laughs> you creep. <laughs> uh, well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Follow Omniverse Comics Guide. Follow The Cave of Solitude on Instagram. Rate and review the show. Uh, what else? Anything I'm missing? No, I think we'll leave it there for the minute. We'll have right. more news soon. Sounds good. Thank you, everybody. We will will be... I always have a problem with that. We'll be back soon.